everyone. So the good news is that we're energy. Um, and where there's energy, there's information. So if you can get into those altered states, energetic altered states, um, you have access to information, right? You have access to heal trauma and understand um, stuff that happened a long time ago. And it's not just understanding it, but releasing um, the trauma or the injury of that event. And that's definitely um, good news. And um, so my altered states were came through meditation and through ayahuasca. And they let me into this uh, massive continent of um, injury um, that... I had no idea I was in. I, 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 you know, I, I even owned. Um, so um, that's really the bottom line. If you have trauma, if you're deeply uh, buried with a trauma, if you don't have access to it, if you can't budge something and you've tried everything, um, you know, if to get in there energetically and to, is to heal it. And, um, and here's the deal also with, um, one of the, the learnings is that it's always much bigger than you think. It's always more treacherous than you think. There's always more to lose than you think as far as going into these, um, into your trauma. There's a lot to lose for the child that was injured in that trauma. So she's holding on or he's holding on um, and unable to process it because, you know, life comes first, right? You have to survive at all costs. So my injury was um, pretty huge, uh, sexual abuse, being sent out to be sexually abused. Um, and so what's interesting to me is, I mean, I've been doing this now for a long time, so I've had a lot of information, energetic release, I mean, it was, I was completely and utterly smothered. I might as well have been, you know, a penny in a, on a landfill. I mean, that's how deeply buried I was. Um, under so much trauma and abuse and manipulation. Um, but as you're, so, so one of the most, um, um, interesting things was that I, I didn't, so first of all, I didn't know it happened because I was buried in it, right? So the life force basically says, you know, you better put all that away and make this work. So um, the tension I had to live with was I had to make hell into heaven. And so I, it's almost like you have to keep, you know, dressing up the, the devil doll, you know, to make it pretty. Right. So it was always like I could never accept. First of all, I shut down, literally cut out in some energetic field, the horror of the events. So that's number one. And number two was that was sort of one kind of pie, so to speak, if you're, you know, one room of energy that. So just because you cut it off doesn't mean it isn't still alive. It is alive. 
right? So it may you may not have access to it. It may be, you know, in the garage, but it doesn't die, right? So nothing dies, right? And um, and for the most part, um, the the male, the the father was the main protagonist here, right? The predator who who did this, but he wasn't without the help of my mother, the second person here. So one of the things that made it impossible for me to get into that energetic realm or into or break into that room was that they're your parents. So what I had to do was, because you have no weapons or any kind of armor or any way to, to deal with this or challenge this, I had to make them work. And this is... Um, and I had to protect them from the truth of who they really were. When I think about it, it's pretty substantial if every day you're coming in and you have to cover up the stench of, you know, a rotting corpse, right? Because that's what it's like, you know, if you're being sent out to be sexually abused or if anybody hurts you or injures you in any way, that's a massive injury, an untenable injury to your system. I mean, that's just, there's no love anywhere near there. It's all darkness and evil, right? And so what I recognized was that I was, I had to build, um, I had to, to legitimize, I had to, I had to hide what they did, right? So I had to, that was sort of locked away in this other realm, in this other energetic pocket, let's put it that way, or this room separate to me. And then in this reality, I had to uh, make them okay, right? So I was constantly pretending them and myself into existence as the things that we were not, right? So um, I had to make them lovely parents and caring and when they absolutely were not. They were narcissistic, abusive, manipulative. Right? It was all pretty straight up, loveless. Not that we weren't taken care of, but it was just like, as far as human beings, you might as well, could have been dolls or, you know, plastic some containers. Um, and everything was done for an audience. It wasn't done for us, it was done for perception, right? So I suppose they call it narcissistic, whatever. It doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. What does matter is you're holding that information, right? So I was holding... In this one realm, the reality, the, the actual events that happened, which was horrific. And, you know, not only was I sent out to be sexually abused, but then he made himself into this smart ass because he thought, you know, he had a product. And so he was a cool kid on the block. And it's just so beyond revolting, right? But that was in sort of one realm. So I had to pretend that out of existence and live with the frozen trauma of that. And then in this reality, where I was barely here consciously, I had to um, pretend them and myself into existence and make them nice and make them, you know, caring. And it was just this massive wipeout on all levels. It was a wipeout of the truth of what had happened and the wipeout of the actual reality that was, reality that was going on. I had to reinvent them and myself in relationship to them. 
That's a huge cover-up, like a massive cover-up. And one of the things was that in order to do so, I would have to abandon myself completely. I, there was no me showing up. You can't show up if somebody is coming to you and hurting you in any way or whatever. There's no you showing up, right? You have to figure out a way to survive. And mine was, let me, let me black this out and let me put what's going on now into a place that I can cope with. And I can only cope with this if I agree to be what they want me to be and I agree to make them into nice people and, you know, make or build this person that they want. Then we can all make life work. It was like the biggest fallacy and the biggest lie and the biggest cover-up ever. It's really like replanting, you know, a beautiful garden where you're just literally on this minefield of shit. I had, I literally forced them into another, you know, onto the stage as the characters that I needed. And I would make everything work. Okay, so that's an impossibility, but I did it because the need to survive was monumental. So that, you know, you can't have six arms working three different switches and you know and steering wheels etc at the same time at some point it's all going to crash at some point it all needs to be torn down right and it's been a long time because it was a big cover-up and again energy is information so in order to and to even begin to probe into this, I had to move into these energetic realms, which of course I didn't even know I was getting into when I started doing meditation. So, I would say there have been three major moments of acute energetic openings. One was after 13 and a half years of meditation, where I got a very clear signal that I had to deal with this writhing monster in the attic. And it was a huge, like, you know, volts of energy, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, it was like a physics code. It was like, you know, I was being reprogrammed. The second one was doing ayahuasca and having a huge exorcism. Um, there was another break, and it was a break with a contract with a pedophile, with a father. And then the next kind of element was these entities that were in my system, which I can describe as either resistance or the anger or something that was, I mean, they were just pouring out of me. So we're three powerful, and they're all physical. It was all physical. So literally, we're energy. So everything you have built has been physically built as an energetic thing, right? I'm not built as a thinking thing, I'm built as a physical thing. And all of it has happened in the physical realm. Um, and it's all been dismantled in the physical realm from the very first volts of energy when my whole body was in a state of kind of like a fucking 
you know, I was being reprogrammed. It was insane, but it was absolutely lots of energy. Uh, to the exorcism, which was again, coming up from my ankles up through my body. It was literally like I was a star that was collapsing. And then were these entities that started coming up and out. They're all physical, they're all energy. And so one of the most powerful, so if you're, that's what I'm saying, if you get stuck in trauma, you can't get to it. You know, I, I feel like these things are, these are, these are nuclear codes. I mean, they, they, they're nuclear survival codes. So they can't really be torn down in the thinking realm and they can't be torn down in this realm because they happened in a past and a past is, it's not now. I mean, it is now, it is actually now. But if you close it off from your trauma, then it's literally sealed off energetically. Um, and what's really interesting is when I went back down to Peru, um, after the, you know, after the first break energetically, which is through meditation, the second break, which is an exorcism in Peru, coming back, getting more information. I went down the third time and what was fascinating was that I had to convince my child to tell me what had happened. So like, it's almost like your, your child, your boy or your girl, if you've had severe trauma, they're the ones that are paralyzed, right? They're the ones that are protecting them. So it's almost like you have to return to them. They're the containers, of the, they're the energies that are con containing this, uh, holding onto the secret and the protection. I literally had to convince my child in a ceremony to tell me, okay, you've got to tell me what happened. You're the one that's frozen if you're frozen, we're all screwed, basically, right? If you're four or you're five or six and you're holding and you were frozen at that moment with trauma, that energy is holding all the information. And after I had convinced her that, you know, we have to know, like, I need to know that we've been doing this for like four years already, like, I need you to tell me which is when I had a ceremony when, you know, basically this frozen cuckoo clock started to actually was kind of like woken up it was it started to move again and the whole earth moved like this cog it was just opening up and there were these rooms and this little girl was going in and out of them which again I it was a brothel so it was it was uh, being sent out to be abused so I tell you not because of the event but because of this way this energy works right I was terrified I was, you know, trying to protect them. I mean, there's a lot going on in that frozen trauma, in that energetic state that I had no access to. And it was so tightly built and so powerfully frozen that there was no way I was getting in there with, you know, some shrink with a pad and, you know, five diplomas. It was energetic. 
I, there was no way I was getting in there without a medicine that could take me into that realm of the past, of energy, so that in that realm, literally, I had to convince my little girl to tell me, you've got to tell me what's happening here. Right? And then something is released and then I was told. So, and then, you know, when I came back, I had more information of downloads of more abuse and what he did and just the horror of this human being. And, and these energies. And these energies uh, were holding information. So what's interesting to me is that, and, you know, it turned out I absolutely hated this guy, right? I mean, he was horrible. So here I was, in reality, making him into this sort of hero and victim and this absolute lie because I had to survive. I had to reinvent him. It's almost like they call it Stockholm Syndrome or that attachment. It's your parent. You've got to make them work. So here I was trying to, because you, you arrive, you can't possibly arrive to death, right? Basically what you're arriving to. So I had to reinvent him. And so there's this complete kind of break, you know. I built a whole energetic realm to protect him and to make him the victim and the hero and I had to save him, etc. But in this underground realm, I absolutely hated him. I absolutely hated him. You can't live with that contradiction. That's a very, I mean, but you're, the great, the amazing, the great, the amazing thing is that your system can carry these massive contradictions of light and dark. You may shut them down. I mean, I numbed it all out. I literally, you know, somebody shot a numbing gun into me and I just numbed it out. So I really couldn't feel anything, right? But it will come out. I wanted to be a revolutionary. I was, you know, concerned about the, the, the underprivileged. And, I mean, it was just like I wanted to be a guerrilla underground, you know, because deep down I wanted to get this guy out of my life. But I couldn't. You see, that's a contradiction. If you're a child, they're your parent. They're your parent. You have to authorize and legitimize, and you have layers and layers of, in order for me to legitimize them, I would have to deny my whole person, right? You're gonna to have to deny yourself if you need to survive there. And that contradiction between what you feel, which was pure hatred, and this trying to make the world work with them in it, and become the person that they wanted, where you're being completely denied, is a very difficult thing to sustain. But you can, clearly I did. You just have to build enormous amounts of uh, walls to ensure that, you know, ne'er the two will meet. But you're in complete fragmentation, right? On one side, you have the truth and the hell of what they've done to you. On the other side, you know, you're creating fantasy 
you know, Hollywood movies about how lovely they are. Even when they're not. So, but again, there are cracks, right? There are moments where you're just, things will just, so, so both of it is alive. Both the horror of what happened and the truth of your hatred and your rage and your anger and your self-denial, that's alive. That's as alive as, you know, um, dressing them up in, you know, um, princess outfits and knights in shining armor. It's both alive. But you're, I was nowhere to be found. I was like, I'm, I'm clocked out here. Right? So the you that's your spirit's buggered off. You just have this massive injury and then this massive pretend. You're not actually there. And the idea is you need to get them both out so you can come home. It's like I said, squatters on your energetic real estate. They've taken over. So my need to legitimize them was so huge. It was such a massive gravitational force. And again, these are energetic forces that, you know, when I was told in ceremony, look, you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. You can have all the power. I, the sickness was my whole body was like, I couldn't vomit this thing out. I was crawling along the floor. When I was in a ceremony, the Indians came to me. They said, Maria, leave. You can come home. And I was with my family. I couldn't crawl across the fucking floor. I had built this massive lie around them, this huge protective mechanism whereby I was trying to save them and trying to save myself in this, where they were the adults, I was a child, right? I had built this program that was a lock, a lock against seeing the truth of who they truly were. And a lock that would reinvent them into this complete lie, caring, loving. There was nothing caring or loving about these people. It was all manipulation. And in that respect, it was a trick, right? It was a trick. You know, being sent out to be abused, I was coddled and I was just made to feel like this is, I have to do this, if not, we're gonna die. And in that respect, I'm a heroine. I'm taking one for the team. Fuck your three, your fours. Ridiculous, right? But this is how the trick worked. You're making someone happy. That's a sickness. So, their energy, and the energy has information. And so, what's interesting to me is you have to, so you can't be half pregnant. When you go into this, you can't just take down one half of the house. The whole house has to be taken down. So there wasn't just him who was manipulative and vile, but then there was also the mother. 
who went along with it, right? Accomplice to the crime, who was like always needed to be taken care of and high maintenance. And again, wasn't really a loving parent, didn't see anyone. Right? So I didn't realize, but I was trying to escape both of them. And that's a big thing for a child. You have to collapse all of it because it's all one unit. I as much invented him as I invented her. And that's been, um, as these energies come up, because the energy is, 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 are these kind of furies, I would call them like the Shakespearean furies, it's, I realize it's not just, you know, emptying myself of all the horror of this father, but also of the complicity of a mother. Because in the same way, I had reinvented her. I had become what she needed so she could be taken care of. So she, I was, she, there would be a mother that would exist. But there was no mother. And there was no father. I had engineered them. There was nothing. If I wasn't creating them, there was no one. So there was this monumental effort, almost creative effort, throughout my whole life to keep giving them credibility where they should have, there was none. Because I desperately needed parents. <laughs> right? And one of the great things about the ayahuasca is that she's bought me parents, both as aides, right? So as the Indians and also as a Shipibo. It's like she's brought my parents. So I have to give up He's well dead, and I've, there's been so much work, but also her, the mother, the truth of her. And I think, again, in the same way that you need to pull up the energy and the rage and the anger of if there are two parents, that, you know, I, I, I couldn't see her as complicit, but she was. She was equally as complicit, equally as unloving you know, didn't care what happened to us in that way, right? Was more interested in her friends and her family than her own children. You know, all maneuvering for the audience. But within me, I was still holding on to protecting her. Right? So that too has been another huge release of energy, of the anger and the hatred of her. I recall a few incidents because what happens is with all of this is that it's all alive. So even though you may have it in the dark, you know, the hatred and the anger has been numbed out so you don't feel it and you're busy building what they want. When the whole thing collapses, it's all going to come up. I remember, and, and things are going to crack through. I remember when she came to stay once in New York, and I had this enormous urge. This was, what, 30, 40 years ago. I had this enormous urge to kill her. Like, I had to call someone to come in and say, listen, you've got to get over here. I mean, I wasn't going to do it, but it was like I was really, I didn't know where the rage was coming from. There was some point we were in a cab in London, and I just said, you know, I just, you know, I want out of this family. 
Now again, I was always made to feel wrong, right? There's something wrong with you that you can't see how great we are. You know, as a child, if somebody hits you and you like cry and they say, well, don't cry, you know, you deserve to be hit. You're the party that's wrong, not them. And every time I came up against that wall, it was like, you know, you ungrateful bitch, right? You ungrateful person. How dare you challenge us after all we've done for you? Right, so you're always, there's this, there's this horrible place because you're a child, they're your parents, but they're not your parents. There's no love if you're hurting a child. Nothing. Or making them do what you want to do or complicit in an act that hurts a child. So, um, I won't be free until it's all gone, right? You can't, you can't have energetic freedom if you're still being held hostage by obligation or guilt or it can't be her, right? So I have to give up that role of placating her, making her feel good, right? Of making the other party right when they're wrong. So the whole thing has to be totally collapsed. And there are many ways that people hold you hostage with guilt, right, with shame, how could you do this, you know, all the, you know, narcissistic traits that come out. In life, there's just one thing, there's unconditional love. It's either, you know, you either have it or don't, right? You either love or you don't, right? There's that great saying is, you know, can you love me when I least deserve to be loved? As a parent, that's what, you're, that's what you do. You just love regardless. There is no place where love doesn't happen. Regardless of what happens, right? But not when you have people that are conditional. I love you if you do this for me. I love you if you show up as what I need you to show up as. But it's not even love, it's all control. Or you get a cookie if you do this, right? It's not love. And again, I'd protected her. In fact, it's very funny, in a, in a, in a ceremony in Peru, I was uh, this sort of lioness on this mountaintop, and I, and I was sort of throwing them out of the kingdom, you know, they were like in that Adam and Eve thing where the two figures are going out of the light into the shadow. So if you've excused or you've protected or you've agreed to or you've, um, you know, built your fantasy version of them, all of it needs to go for everyone, right, involved in the injury. You have to uncover all of them. I was busy excusing them, excusing her. Oh, she's just a victim. Oh, she's just this. Oh, she doesn't really mean. No. That's because I needed to have a parent. 
But the fantasy of a child is the parents actually going to show up, but they never do. It's that marvelous saying, you know, believe me the first time I, see, I meet you. Like if you meet a person for the first time, believe them. That's who they truly are. They're not going to become something else because I hope that they'll change or I'll hope that they'll love me or I hope that something. No, believe them when you meet them the first time. And I think in my being and by continuously trying to, you know, renovate them, I thought that someday they might actually show up as the people that I had invented them into. So by wishing them into being somebody else, eventually they may show up as that. But they don't. Your fantasy just gets bigger and they remain the same. And you get further away from the truth. That's what I was doing. The more I projected them into being something else, the more I was denying myself the more I was getting further and further away from the truth of who they were, the less I could see the truth of them. Once you begin to take down these walls, because somehow you're cooked in with them, right? You're cooked in. But once these walls dissolve and you see them for who they truly are, you know, your feelings will surface and explode because they've been there all the time. It's not new, you've just numbed them out. My rage and my anger, my hatred wasn't new. It was within me. It could have poisoned me, it could have leaked into my whole system. I just refused them. And whilst I thought I was pretty much done with him, there was, all, there was also her, who I had victimized and poor thing. And, but she had agency. She could have said, no, don't send that child out to be abused. Why is that child upset? Even my own brother said you were terrified, Maria, growing up. Yeah, I was terrified because I was being sent out to be abused. Did she see that? No, it didn't interest her. She was busy saying, you know, let's all agree to this with this monster. She had agency. I was a child, but I was protecting and excusing her. And that was part of my downfall, right? I was too terrified to see the truth. Too terrified to accept that these people were just awful. They were not parents. And one of the most difficult things has been to let go of knowing the truth about her, right? It's also an energy. It also has information. You know, you go into default mode. Oh, she needs to be looked after. Poor thing. You know, poor thing. Poor thing. What about you? What about you? I think it came to light. You know, when I told her about what he'd done. Oh, I didn't. She said, didn't know anything about that. You know, kind of denial, denial. And then, aren't we done with that yet? Aren't <laughs> we done with that yet? And what about me? Wow. Wow. So we want them to be what our imaginations wish them to be. 
we can't see the darkness as children. We can't, it's overwhelming. I had to keep making them work. But the more I made them work, the more frozen I was, the more stuck I was, the bigger the dam, the more darkness I had, the more I never left. And I think there was a very powerful image of just, you know, this four-year-old in a fetal position in a closet which was in the dark. And when it was opened up, it was just surrounded by these, you know, entities of darkness. It was that moment the cuckoo clock was frozen. It was the moment my life force froze. It was the moment my soul left. If that thing freezes you, if that, if that thing is overwhelming, you're frozen, you're stuck there. When I got stuck, I basically froze that trauma and built what they wanted. These uncaring, abusive, narcissistic people. I had to have parents on their terms. I had to invent them. I had to costume them, clothe them, give them outcomes. I couldn't see this for what it truly was. And again, if you come up against the wall of them, well, it's something wrong with you. This is how the trick works. When you're young and you're needy and you're vulnerable and you're powerless. You're the sinner. Oh boy, you were born the sinner. <laughs> Classic 101 capture. Own control. So, if there's anything within you, energetically, that's still refusing the truth about them, you can't leave. And... It really is a scouring of everything, every, every last corner of that darkness, to remove everything. And no, it's like, you, as I said, another thing, it's like, you know, you're moving out. Well, can't I just, you know, they're taking everything. Well, can't I just keep that lovely mirror I want in the, you know, the bathroom? It's like, no, everything has to go. Because everything was poison. Everything was a lie. And that's a great thing about nature, right? Creation, destruction, renewal, brains of plastic, caterpillar to butterfly. If you want change, the whole system needs to be overhauled because the whole system was built inside this horrible place in the wrong oven at the wrong temperature. And what showed up was armor and was PR and was wishful thinking and paralysis. It was all anchored in paralysis and terror. I didn't show up as myself. There was no one to see me. Are you serious? You only mattered when you showed up as what they wanted. And believe you me, you were pummeled into being that. There was no loving you into being, right? You show up when you're loved. You can sprout your leaves and your flowers when someone is pouring light on you and loving you. 
and accepting you, accepting you for who you are. There's no fictitious person showing up. There's no Frankensteinian pretend model. It's just a thing made out of love. A plant grown out of love. It just grows into itself, into its magnificent, whatever that plant is. There's no hiding all of you and then, you know, hearing, oh, they want a shoot here and they want this color over there and they want, you know, you have to custom make yourself so that you fit into their version of reality so that you get to, they get to see you. That's horrific. And you get completely denied. You have to live in this horrific tension, contradiction, refusal. The Shipibo had said to me, you abandoned yourself. I'm like, how did I abandon myself? Wait, this isn't me? <laughs> I had no idea. I was, so, I was so far gone and so falsely built and so powerfully falsely built that I had no idea that I had abandoned myself. So powerfully built was this falsehood, so powerfully built the fantasy, so powerfully built what they wanted, that I had no idea that it was actually somebody that I just bumped off. I had so agreed with them. I had so legitimized them to survive. I was so desperate for love, so desperate for anything in this bleak, horrific landscape. So when the Shipibo said, you abandoned, like abandoned? Who? What did I, I don't even remember what that, don't know what that looks like. Well, I don't know what that looks like because I've had to, these energetic forces are so powerful. I built, I built them, so I severed so powerfully, built this falsehood so powerfully. legitimized the illegitimate, agreed to these horrible people, selfish, narcissistic, abusive, manipulative. They knew I was, you know, I was weak, so as far as, like, I was just innocent, right? They knew I could, they could do anything with me. I was so needing of love, and they played me. That's the truth. So this is the thing. is it's, It was all ether. I couldn't see any of this. I didn't know that this had happened. I didn't know I had... You know, I was trying to please them. I was trying to be loved. I thought that was it. They were actually using me. You know, I made them into a mission. So I could save them, save them. They were adults, right? But this whole package was very powerfully built, but it was built energetically. And I think all of this is about the seeing. Forget what happened. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. What matters is that you're an enigma to yourself, right? What happens is that in this desperation to survive in a place that's so dark, 
that you will connect and bond and create this enormous falsehood that's living on this mountaintop of horror and poison and not know anything because you've built yourself as an energetic code. And if you begin to question or if, you're, if something inside you, because it, I guess they're all, everything's alive, begins to knock at that truth, then there are all these forces of, well, guilt and obligation and shame. And they've built, it's all built as one thing. So that when you come up to these walls or questions or challenges, you'll push back. You're wrong. You're wrong for wanting to be a child. You're wrong for crying after being sexually abused. You're wrong for hating them. You're wrong for not accepting the unacceptable, right? You begin to believe it, right? Well, you're made to be, that your, you, your, your emotions are wrong, your feelings are wrong. You are wrong. And if you're wrong, well, you better show up as what we want. And then you believe that. And if any part of you comes up against that wall, well, you're pushed back by, well, you don't deserve it, right? So to tear them down is very powerful. It's very unsettling. It's very unnerving. It's very painful. And when you feel the rage and the hatred and the, of what they've done to you, or that feeling, you see, that feeling as a child is impossible to feel. I couldn't feel that. Right? You can't feel that. They'll hurt you, they'll abandon you, you'll die, right? What are you going to do? Those feelings are there, right? You're not going to, you have to numb them out. That's why you build you know, castles with information surrounded by, you know, demonic mercenaries, soldier types that are all saying, don't come in here, which is what the first break was for me when I did meditation was this writhing monster, like, don't come here. It was the first time I was actually going to go face it. You have to face it, Maria. Right? You need to go up there and face this thing. It's tricked you, it's owned you, it's frightened you, it's refused you, it owns you. And if you face it, you know, you're gonna, it's going to eat you up. It's going to terrify you and kill you. Well, that's exactly what I grew up with. I didn't know. I thought they were just being parents. <laughs> right? So it's a very complex, the way we're built. And if this is just my little tiny version, right? But however you're built, if there's been trauma and there's a, you've made tons of contracts and agreements and you've shuffled here this and there and you've multitasked yourself into existence and you're making the illegitimate legitimate and you're, you're dancing around and you're just like it's, you know, what do you do when you have like a hammer, you know, two bananas, you know, and a basketball, like that's how insane it is. You've got to make this thing work. When you have lemonade, lemons, you make lemonade. You just do whatever you can with this. 
even when it's unbelievably horrific. You sever, you fragment, you pretend yourself into existence, you drug up, you do all this shit to make the unbearable work. Because there's no love. There's no love. There's no care. It's just manipulation. I think the thing is no love. No love. I think that's the most difficult thing to live without as a child is no love. And to have to keep pretending it. I did a lot of pretending it. Inventing parents. So the great thing about the plant medicines is that, you know, she gives you, <laughs> you, know, you get pet real parents, you get real love, you get the real, your home, your, you get the real experience of what love is, what loving people look like, what healing looks like, what, you know, I mean, I have ceremonies every day, I've had them for like the last five years, and, you know, the ayahuasca always shows up, to, to heal. I mean, that's unconditional love right there. If I wanted to do a ceremony at two in the morning or a... And that's without the ayahuasca, that's just with the ikaros. You know, if I want to, you know, do it at three in the afternoon, or it's there, it's always there with me. That is true love. And in that sphere of true love, you begin to understand what that looks like. And when you really, because, you know, if you haven't had, if you've been traumatized, there's nowhere else to see the opposite of it. You can't know what it's like to have a real caring parent. I mean, yes, you can go to a shrink and you can sit, but you just don't know. They can't give you that. They can't give you that divine love and care and relentless every moment, right? So... The only way I've been able to see all of it, the truth of it, because I couldn't see any of it, it was all ether, was in the presence of so much love from the ayahuasca. And in seeing the truth of what love is and the absolute extreme of the horror that I lived through, I can finally know that this was wrong. What happened was horrific. I couldn't even know it was wrong. That's it. Finally, I can acknowledge, oh my God, that was horrific. And I can say, I don't want any of this. And I can dump them and be angry and rage and see them finally for who they are. You know, when you, they show you the first time, believe them. Well, you can't do that when you're a kid, but I can now. Ugh. Right? I can't see them. You can't. If you're smothered in it, if you're dumped in it, if you're marinated in it, you can't see it. Even if you have friends around you, you have really great families, you still can't see it. You can't see them as the truth. And so, you know, the holdout was her. I was like still protecting her. I'm not doing that anymore. Right? But it's the whole thing is that your whole system is built to survive 
you have no allies as a child, who are you going to go to, right? There's just them. And so this, what you're really doing is, is you're, you're releasing yourself from this prison. It's a release. It's a shedding. You're being taken out of. In a ceremony, it was like I was under the ground. I was coming up out of the ground. You're held hostage in that place if you're small and terrified and you've got no one. You have to invent that place. You need to make that place work. So finally, you have to care about you more you than you care about them. Right? It's an act of huge self-love. And yes, it's uncomfortable to feel the hatred and the rage and all the shit. Yes. But it's a truth. It's a truth. And it's okay because now you're finally here. You can finally say, wow, I want my soul back. Right? You need to love yourself back into existence. So if you're burning down the house, the whole house has to be burned. And if you're seeing the truth, it's a big deal to, um, to tear it all down. And if there's frozen trauma because of some huge injury, um, that's okay. You can get to all of it through these, through energetic work as far as entering into those domains. Energy is information. With energy comes information, right? So if you can break into those sort of energetic vaults um, where you've hidden stuff, I mean, energetically, remember they're held together very powerfully like nuclear codes. Then you can heal. You can see. You can get out of that spell, out of the ether. And Truly love yourself back into existence. All right. Bye.